All right, we are back and uh, back to normal. Quentin's here, uh, and this week we are Bait and Switchblade. Um, Quentin, how are you doing this week? I'm great. I no longer have a broken microphone, so phenomenal. It, uh, that pro- that pro- that problem is fixed. So uh, glad to be back and recording. Yeah, I love whenever I do the weird thing where I'm like, I feel like I can't speak for you or say something. So like when I was recording by myself, I'm like, I don't know if I said it was the mic. I don't know if I should say it was the mic. It's such a dumb thing, but I get self conscious about it in the mm. moment. Like you're gonna no, yeah, care yeah. that I said your mic broke. <laughs> like yeah, it's a it's 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 a it's a courtesy thing. Like I get it. It's a, like yeah. I know, I think you know the line between things that like you probably shouldn't say. Sure. on a podcast like i think sure. my microphone being broken is probably like on the like lesser well, end yeah. of those things i just i know that i don't like my business being out there even though i yeah. don't even though i put my full name out there and i don't care um <laughs> and i will tell anybody everybody everything i have a weird thing about not liking people <laughs> saying stuff um so yeah it's just it's odd um either way okay so i did the solo episode last week we'll talk about that later i think that i want to start out this episode and say trigger warning and say that this because i know the last time we recorded we unfortunately had a very long chat about a lot of unpleasantness and i think that i mean i honestly told people like yeah there's not even much else to the episode so like you can skip it this episode i don't <laughs> want to have to do the same thing so i promise i will put a timestamp in the description for anyone who doesn't want to hear about basically a lot of you know, triggering stuff when it comes to abuse, um, primarily from mask individuals uh, to femme individuals and uh, in relationships in the form of primarily it sounds like um, power dynamics and age gap situations, not necessarily uh, physical or sexual abuse, but just FYI. There will be a timestamp for when we're done talking about all of this and we just get to the wrestling. Sound good, Quentin? Sounds great to me. All right, so we've got three, basically, topics that have to do with this. Uh, I don't know what we have, order we, we should We have three? Go yes. Um, you mentioned one before we started, AJ Gray. Okay. Obviously, the big deal is Vince McMahon. And then the other one is David Starr. Uh, I don't know oh. about you. I listened to the podcast. I meant I wanted to, and then I forgot to. Sure, and I can't blame you. It's very stupid that it's split up into three pieces. It's not worth. It's honestly not worth listening to. But when it comes to podcasts, Quentin, who am I but the sin eater? Oh, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my job for everyone. I listen to the podcast so that you don't have to. Um, I'll open up with the David Star because it's just it's something that just I listen to. Um, yeah, I completely, I completely forgot about. Like, I really, sure. I saw it, and then I did have intentions on listening to it, and I just completely forgot about it. Like so, I said, not yeah, much. Go, go, go ahead. Not much to it. It's um, really, honestly, kind of depressing um, to me. Not necessarily for the topics, but just for the the personalities involved, the tone that they take. Um, I mean, it's Sozio and David Starr, so what do you expect? But I, I think it went even further than I would have expected. Midway through, um, at some point, David Starr is pitching um, Sozio with listening and checking out Tim Heidecker media podcasts. And within that conversation, Sozio starts to talk about all the podcasts and stuff that he's into, which includes like Gas Digital, you know, Legion of Skanks. 
and that that whole disgusting huh. group of people, the real ass podcast, and all those guys who are really fucking gross. Tim, he mentions Tim Dillon, so it's just like, oh, Sozio is like way on the other end of things. And David Starr, I don't think even knows what he's talking about there, which is very funny because you know David yeah. Starr, Michael Brooks fan, and all this, and he thinks telling him about Tim Heidecker is like on the same level of like, oh, you should check it out. His politics are good, and his comedy it's funny, and it's blah 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 this and that, and and he's saying, oh yeah, you know, I like the Puerto Rican rattlesnake. And, uh, you know, th- those fucking knuckleheads over there. I mean, God, fucking Anthony, Anthony Cumia, the guy who got kicked off of terrestrial radio for being uh, for being uh, racist, basically too racist for radio, which says a lot um, in America, especially at the time. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's a uh, that's number one. Number two is like, OK, the tone is there. I know that there's their buddies or whatever, but they are joking and repeatedly uh socio is making anti-semitic jokes and holocaust jokes during a podcast that's theoretically about david Starr coming to grips with being a sex and love addict and his journey of bettering himself and somehow during the podcast he thinks that it's pertinent and makes sense for him to be making anti-semitic jokes um which is it's really something especially with the tone that David Starr has taken in the past when it comes to defending himself against anti-Semitic jokes from, you know, people that he doesn't like. But Sozio being his buddy, it's like, oh, you know, this is just normal. This is how we talk to each other. So it just shows, it really just shows that. Um, the other part of it that I really, I really was like, God damn, like it opens up with like a preamble warning from Sozio talking about how the names were changed uh, they went back and edited out the names and replaced them with different names so to cover up for people that he's talking about during it. Um, and they missed a few. Uh, because of having followed and having the memory that I have, I remember and also I met personally met some of the people that are involved in the stories. Um, so I know their names. So at times he actually switched and accidentally forgot to edit out and change because what they did is they edited one name to another with a post like audio of david star saying the different names um and there's times where it slips and the actual person's actual name is said instead of the replacement name which i just thought was like like at that point if you're not going to really commit to this just don't do it just leave the names in there i mean what are you gonna like what what's the fucking point if you don't care enough to make sure that you get every name you know um so yeah so that was really depressing the other side of it, though, is just that, I mean, whatever you want to say about David Starr and what you think about him and, and Max Bronski or whatever the fuck, he he takes accountability for everything. He feels like he's being pretty honest about everything. I don't, um, I don't think that he's a good person, just as a person in general, but I also don't think that, like, there's any point in going out of your way to ridicule him anymore, especially if he continues to stay away from wrestling which he says during the the interview that like he has the plans to not come back he says he's been offered stuff he's been offered different positions both in the ring and, and behind the scenes and he's turned it down every time even if he's thought about it uh that he's never actually done it um and as long as he continues doing that i think i just i don't think that it's necessary for people to to anytime they see anything from him or anyone talking about him or anything to like automatically start hurling you know insulting words towards him and being and be on the offensive towards him because i hate to say it but i feel like he's done the work he's kind of dealt with the stuff and like like i said that doesn't make him a good person he still seems like an idiot the way that they explain um 
why it's okay to make the edgy jokes that they're doing throughout the thing is like the same thing, which I don't know if you saw this recently, but the Gary Shandling and Ricky Gervais clip kind of went around online a little bit ago yeah. recently um, where Gary Shandling is like, so you think that you're the person who needs to, to, you know, make these jokes and test these boundaries. You don't think that maybe that's already been taken care of before you for hundreds of years. You don't mm. think that maybe we're past that. And Gary Shandling is a fucking legend. Like Gary Shandling does not really get the, 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 the respect that he deserves for being an all-time legend as far as I'm concerned. Um, but just calling Ricky Gervais out like that and same thing. It's like, it's the same thing. Them being like, oh, you know, I think it's funny to like make racist jokes because it's so crazy that anyone would be actually be racist like that. And it's like, yeah, people have been doing that for a very long time and it's not helped or done anything positive. So maybe just knock it off. Maybe we're done with that right. and we don't need to keep making those kind of jokes with that being the reasoning behind it, you know? So, so yeah, that that's why I say, and he agreed with it and he was into it. So I'm just like, that's why I say, I don't think David Starr is like a, a good guy, but I do think that like when it comes to this specific issue, I don't think it's necessary for people to constantly like berate him at, at all times. Like anytime he shows up, people are like, you know, like just fucking the vitriol that they attack him with. And, and, like and, ignore. And, and it doesn't mean, doesn't mean you have to forgive him No, either, but he's like, he's left wrestling. His accounts are private. Like he's done shit that again, people had to get bullied and forced into doing like Marty's girl and Travis Banks are still wrestling. They found ways to get around that. And Zack Sabre Jr. Literally, disappeared off of twitter today is of... the two-year anniversary since the last time zach saber jr has tweeted fyi yeah like <laughs> they, <laughs> like i just like I, I was with you when i saw it and i and like I, and I came across it because of someone kind of like dunking on the idea of him doing it and i'm just like well like i don't i don't i don't understand the point here like he voluntarily left went to therapy and did whatever and you don't have to forgive him you don't like don't the it's like suddenly go back and say david star is a good person or david star is a good guy like no one's gonna tell you to do that or say that you should do that you're still saying he's clearly kind of an idiot his justification for everything at the time remember like the whole like uh gray rape thing was really fucking stupid because he clearly didn't know what that term even meant yeah. so it's not this is none of this that we're saying is to say David Starr or Max Barksy should be should be absolved I mean, just, of any of these things. I, I, I think it's to the point where, like, and I, and I feel this way in general with, like, highlighting these guys whenever they do pop up on shows. But I feel like in the Starr case, all right, it's there's, there's personal feelings there. And people that were directly involved with people that, like, the people, people were involved, that were involved with Starr, had interactions with Starr and stuff like that. I understand why that subject can still hit a, little, hit a little close to home. But at this point, like you, you like you're doing it just to do it. You're not like protecting anybody. You're not doing you're not doing anything that actually helps anything by boosting awareness of what happened. He left wrestling. He he left wrestling and went to therapy. Like there's really not much else that you could want the that you could want the guy to do in order to like make people feel somewhat more comfortable with him, with him existing. I mean, he owns up and publicly acknowledges his privilege about his background and fundamentally basically references being a class trader. He acknowledges using, using the politics and all of that stuff as a way to get attention. 
he says i you know i believe in the politics that i was espousing but i was probably way over the top with it because i looked at it as a way to get attention and and he again fessed up to pretty much everything and again the you know the gray rape thing he didn't exactly acknowledge it but he did talk about it and basically talk about that it was kind of a confusion and everything he worked on and like i said he's not trying to be in the public eye maybe the podcast you could say is that but again i think my point is more it's the nelson mandela quote basically the people who anytime that he comes up or shows up that they have to automatically jump in and jump on him and all this it's you know resentment is like drinking poison and hoping it kills your enemies like you are doing nothing but hurting yourself by putting all of that effort and vitriol towards david Starr at this point because he's not an entity and yeah. if you're doing that, you're doing it for other reasons. You have ulterior feels, motives. Yeah, at that point, like if you if you're if you're upset that OTT is booking Jordan Devlin or Scotty Davis or Marty Skrull's getting booked or Travis Banks is getting booked or uh, Laguero's getting booked, like that's understandable. This guy pretty much just doesn't exist at this point. Like, yeah. I, I, like I don't like, yeah like we don't even like his 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 his, his Instagram is private. He doesn't really use he doesn't really use the Twitter account. He he doesn't he doesn't exist. Yeah. No, he's 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 retired. He's gone. He it is what it is. There's some interesting little details about talking about AEW stuff and possibility of thinking that he would could have gotten signed and going to a meeting with with Tony Khan and and uh, Kip Sabian and uh, MJF at one point and then it being MJF's birthday and actually that story connects to a relationship thing which is kind of interesting. Um, that he goes out to a nightclub with them afterwards uh, that causes like a, an issue in his relationship where he made a bad decision by doing that or whatever. So that was kind of unique. And talking about that, that, uh, that basically he was told that WWE, he became, you know, persona non grata in WWE. There was no way that he was going to get signed because yeah, of his yeah, politics. He, yeah, he, got, yeah, he, got, he got actually blacklisted from WWE. Yeah. yeah, and all of their indie satellites. And then that Tony basically said... Tony Khan basically said, like, you know, I want to sign you, but there are, you know, people within the inner circle, which he explained is basically the, 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 um, not the CFOs, but the executive suite, you know, the wrestlers that were part of putting the company together, uh, that someone within that circle basically did not want David Starr, um, and, and maybe it was a politics personal beef or then that. And then he also said that Tony Khan asked him, like, we sign you and then what's going to stop you from like calling out Turner broadcasting basically. And he said like, nothing. Like, I don't know. He said, are you going to call out Turner broadcasting once we're like, you're signed under contract with us? You're going to like tweet about them or say some shit about them. And he says, I mean, maybe it's possible. So, you know, there's that. And it's like, yeah, like the guy, uh, the guy, you know, talked about that. That was like kind of maybe the only interesting little notes to come out of it. Um, when it just comes to like the grand scheme of wrestling, but that's about it on that. And like you said, like people that <laughs> deserve your attention right now is someone like AJ Gray, who had yeah. past allegations that were less than credible. So people blew them off. Even if, um, worldwide, Alex worldwide Keller basically corroborated that the person who, I mean, they didn't so much say that the, all of the allegations against AJ Gray were true, but Alex Keller stepped away from everything and said that the allegations that were made towards him by the same person were true, which to me, I mean, you know, it is what it is, but it's just, it is something to say where there's smoke, there's fire. 
and then we turn around and we get the rest of this. But Quentin, I guess, <laughs> feel feel free to fill me in on the details on the rest of this. Uh, well, the situation, well, the minor is involved in a public in a public in a public capacity, but I also don't want to say her name. So, uh, the woman that works in wrestling media and is 17 years old and up until uh recently usually had her age in her twitter bio now has it in her twitter display name had reached out to aj gray to do some business to do some to do some business work build a business relationship kind of thing eventually ask eventually maybe asking whatever from aj and aj would make comments that look and seem uh, flirt, like flirtatious or suggestive towards her. And the issue with this is people have a hard time believing that AJ didn't know that she was 17 years old, that she was underage. And there's messages and screenshots that prove the, that prove the interactions uh, once AJ, quote unquote, found out her age, he priced her out of an interview. Uh, and yeah, just didn't like acted like she didn't exist after making all these uh, these comments towards her. And yeah, the main issue here is whether or not you believe AJ Gray knew. And like I said, this woman usually had had her age in her bio now has it in her Twitter display name and for a lot of people it's just hard to fathom that AJ would be communicating with this person via DMs and just not know at all and AJ would already had some stuff going on where fans said some fans had said something to him on Twitter and he kind of went off the deep end. Was almost like, like talking about like doxing people and and shit and <laughs> threatening it, violence it, on people repeatedly. Yeah. Uh huh. And uh, talked about like you know talked about mental health and uh, trigger warning. Talking about committing suicide. Yeah. And that AJ just off Twitter. So this stuff happened, and AJ was already off Twitter when this happened. And now AJ's Twitter account no longer exists. And he responded on Instagram with something that I'm paraphrasing, but y'all win. Y'all just want me gone. It's okay. I get it. I'm done. And yeah, I'll toss it over to you. But yeah, the issues is pretty much whether or not you believe AJ knew that she was 17. And for the most part, I think everyone's just like, there's no way that you didn't know. My, I'm kind of like it doesn't. It almost doesn't even matter if he knew or not because it's a it's a kind of a negligence thing, and it's. I hate to say it, but it shows the side of AJ that's like, been an issue this whole time. Him building this Twitter persona around being, horny online, um, that really went off. Which I mean, he kind of it kind of had disappeared. He hadn't been doing it as much, but, the fact that like his only interaction every interaction it's it looked like that she posted maybe she only picked him out but it really was kind of like damn it looks like any time they he interacted with her in any way it had to be some kind of little remark and some kind of flirtatiousness to it and it just it's that thing where you just go like 
dude, like, this is a person who's trying to have a professional conversation with you. Is that the only way that you can talk to a woman? Like, are is it impossible for you to talk to a woman just, like, as, a, as another person, another human being, without having to always have it be something sexual? And that's kind of, unfortunately, what it came across like, reading and looking at the DMs in there. So that's why I say I don't even know if it matters that much about her age. It does matter in some regards. Um, if you think that there was ever any seriousness to it. But to me, I'm almost willing to say, like, it's bad either way because I can see that it was not serious. But it just shows that AJ Gray does not have any respect for women. And that, like, if he interacts with a woman, the only way he knows how to is is basically to treat her like an object for se- of sexual desire. And that's it. And he doesn't know how to have an interaction with a woman online or, you know, whatever, in person, anything that's not revolving around that aspect of things. And that's mm-hmm. pretty disgusting as is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, wh- what did that girl do to deserve that treatment from him other than just be a woman online? And it's even worse. Than, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Other, yeah, other than just existing, because yeah. again, like based off the based off the messages that we like, this that's just not how that worked. There was no even remarks that suggested anything back. It was just kind of out the blue, and like you know when people are trying to like flirt with you, you know, like we like we as, as people we like. Well, I'm not gonna. We tend to know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but. I think I think that I think what you're raising is definitely like a really good point here, as opposed to like the debating on whether AJ knew or not. Yeah. Like, I think that I think that what you're saying feels like more of the point, more of the point of like a complete lack of respect for her and like her uh, and her credibility and her and her and her professionalism to to do that. And then to like clearly price her out, like once once you get an answer that you didn't like, right? It's like, like that's just like some dick, like some dickhead, dumb, irres- irresp- irresponsible jerk shit to do, even without the other things that you could that you could debate on. Yeah, no, definitely, and it's again, it just goes back to that. It's like. I don't take this person seriously and then as soon as it's like yeah it's not it's not what you're wanting or what you're hoping for to then just be like I'm done you know when she basically expressly tells him then he's like oh I just found out you existed a week ago like what the fuck does that even mean because she's showing like a history of messages so I don't know how long they were talking but then to just be like I didn't even if it was over the course of a week it's like I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I don't, I if that know, was like, over the course of just one week, then that's almost even worse for what I was saying. How the fuck does this motherfucker yeah. go from zero to a hundred like that, where everything he says is fl- again? It goes back to what I'm saying. Like, I I'm gonna assume that there's anyone that's trying to message, you know, AJ Gray that's a female is getting this kind of response. And hey, I don't know. Me and you both have tried to hit him up for an interview in the past, right? Just to put that on the out there in the open. And I don't. I didn't get any response. Quentin, did you get any response? Uh, I feel like I got a response, and I just kind of got blown off. Right. We did not get any attention. We didn't get flirting. We didn't get anything. So, again, it just shows it's this thing where, like, 
dude is just i mean he played it off like oh you know the horny on on twitter gimmick that oh, that really worked to get everybody's attention now i'm popping and shit and i'm not actually that guy but uh based on this shit i'm saying i think he is that guy i think that he's 100 percent just all he's about is being fucking horny and he just wants to hit on every girl that he talks to and you know what that's not again talking about the david star shit it's the same thing it's like people have emotional and psychological issues that can cause this stuff i know that in the past i've had low self-esteem and issues that caused me to act out in ways to get attention from people especially like you know romantic attention because it made me feel good made me feel better about myself because i didn't have other ways to to really deal with that low self-esteem so i get it it happens but that doesn't make you again that doesn't make you a good person and again like i will say that i was not a good person when i was acting out that way right i don't defend it and say that it's okay that i was that way you gotta fucking deal with it and this is what i talk about you know you want to have this energy you want to you want to to go after these people you want to go after david Starr. i'm sorry we got to go after aj gray and i don't know if you saw but i saw someone posting like people popping off in spaces talking shit about the girl and defending aj you know because he's your friend or because you've interacted oh, with him for whatever reason I, so I met, uh, the, the type of people that like i know are friends with aj like yeah i don't want to say names but those kind of people right and i fucking hate to see that shit man like I'm sorry, but you got all the energy in the world for someone like David Starr, but you're going to tell me that AJ Gray is perfectly fine? You know, again, it's it's the same thing. Like, it's just, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not good. And, um, we will see, but, okay, so I saw people, and I don't think people realize this. Maybe I'm the only one who realized it just because of, like, timing and all this shit, but AJ, people were, like, saying, like, oh, AJ has not come back from Twitter since that blow-up that he had, I think, with Bix or whatever, right? Um. But that's not true because I saw him. He was back within 24 hours and he was tweeting after the, when he first said that he was leaving and, and disappeared or whatever. So he was not gone forever. He did come back. And then he came, he, he, he came, he came back, then left again. Then left again, yeah. And then, you know, the thing again, like he, uh, um, like he, he, he posts whatever he does on Instagram. And I just, I don't know that, like, that it means anything like i don't know that like he's not going to 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 stick with it because he's he's already proven that like he doesn't have he doesn't have the (laughs) the, he doesn't stick to these things he he overreacts and he says whatever in the moment and that's not necessarily like something that he's going to commit to so we'll see I don't necessarily know if I think like, oh, I never want to see AJ res- AJ Gray wrestle again. I I think it's tough. He's quit wrestling before and come back. Um, it was a definitely a totally different situation, but there was a lot of drama there that I think me and you both had heard a bit about stuff that happened backstage and things like that when he left before. I think actually he may have left two different times already before. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we'll see. This time it's like a little bit more serious um so we'll see if he comes back but yeah i don't know it's it's definitely it's definitely uh a weird situation but that's kind of my final i guess my final thoughts on it quentin you could feel free if there's anything else you want to want to say yeah i think honestly i feel like you gave like more like what my kind of sentiment was about the situation i think that like we're like Depending on the one where you're gonna fall, like you're just gonna keep going endlessly back and forth, whether or not you think AJ knew or not. And if we did, obviously, like 
he should be condemned and we should like and, and, and obviously neither, neither of us have no problem saying that but at that point it, it really is like a he said she said on whether or not he knew yeah. i think it's impo- i think it's really really hard to imagine that he didn't but the main thing is like conducting yourself that way with someone who's shown no like interest in you in that kind of way anyway it is like unacceptable anyway any way you look at it any way you cut it but i think th- i think that's it there um so i guess we want we can hit the last one up before we can get out of this yes. of the podcast the, the the big one i guess uh and you could definitely he definitely knew what was going on here with uh vince mcmahon um and the paralegal i guess is the main one is there there's more right i mean they teased like there's there's even more than just one person but a lot of the story seems to be specifically one person who vince paid off i guess yeah i guess they were saying that there was quite a few because i saw three million in hush money basically you could say if you want to be you know in nda payoffs um but i think that that's a, a cumulative yeah, like, it wasn't all at once. Yeah, it wasn't all just one person. Also, it was like a historical thing. But specifically, one person seems to be the big one that was not only the uh, the big one, but also the one that like was caused the tip off for there to be an investigation, a private investigation that I think I heard was like a, a private investigation that was put together by the board because yes. because the board was got an anonymous tip off from someone who called themselves a friend of the paralegal about the situation and basically Vince paid off started and John a romantic Lord, and, and, and John, yeah. well Vince had a, a romantic relationship with a paralegal who worked for the company um, doubled her salary after the the sexual relationship started romantic relationship we'll say the, and then yeah and then the quote that I heard passed her off like a little toy to John Laurinaitis after he was yeah. done, which Quentin they say it ain't no fun if the homies can't have none. So at least Vince follows the bro code, but uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, like, yeah, what the fuck is this? I for, I for one am shocked that yeah the guy that was in he- that was a he- that was in charge of choosing talent and chose them via swimsuit catalogs would be a pervert. I he's a sex creep, yeah. I I am I for one I'm shocked I for one I'm shocked that Vince McMahon, I mean gosh guy that coming up a murder, paragon, Paragon. a paragon of virtue yes not someone that not someone that's covered up murders or has also had numerous sexual assault and misconduct allegations levied towards him in the last in 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 this in, in the last decades would be caught up in something like this I I for one cannot believe this no but it does make Vince McMahon. Eskimo uncle of Brian Danielson and John Cena, which is weird. Um, and it does make me think about that. Uh, Johnny Ace, theoretically, the way that the story went at the time, Johnny Ace was brought back into WWE in a head of talent relationship, in a head of talent relations position because of that relationship to try to keep Daniel Bryan and I think John Cena happy and in the fold. 
Um, and obviously it didn't work with Daniel Bryan and Cena is supposedly coming back. But as I've said, as I put it in the Slack chat, I said, I, I, I'll believe that Cena comes back when we see The Rock wrestle Roman Reigns. These are both things that I think are like wildly exaggerated on how much of a lock they are based on the fact that Vince just thinks that they're happening. And Vince is so old and senile at this point that I think that he's literally buying into people just telling him like, yeah, yeah, Vince, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna definitely come back and wrestle again. I'll be on the show. I just, I don't think that it's happening. But yeah, I mean, Johnny Ace was supposed to try to keep Daniel Bryan there and Bryan took off. And you wonder how much of it is like, did Bryan know? Did Bryan hear rumors? He's like, fuck this guy. This guy is like cheating on my fucking mother-in-law. I'm not going to, I don't care about him and him trying to get me to stay. Is that possible? Who knows? But, uh, but yeah, uh, definitely insane story. And as you said, right, like not surprising, just surprising that it comes out because this is the kind of thing that was swept under the rug. And it's coming from internally. Like, so this is the big thing. This is coming from internally. And they yep. said that we, we, like, we're taking this allegation. We're taking these allegations very seriously. So the big thing here, not to like make this like some kind of like, like a fun thing to speculate or whatever, but it's like, so where is this coming from? Right. Did Stephanie know about this before she left? Is this Triple H blowing the, blowing the whistle because of him being depowered? Is this Nick? Is, is this Nick Khan's endgame of shaping WWE into his image for the last couple of years, and now and now ousting Vince after getting rid of everyone else? I I I don't know what what it is. There's a lot of moving parts here, including one that just popped in my mind. I mean, there is the uh Tony or Nick Khan uh rock connection, right? Do you uh, do you recall this? Recently there yes. was like all these stories that went around about how Nick Khan and the Rock were friends from when they were young and stuff. Yes, yes, I re- I remember this. And the Rock is connected to WWE more than he ever has been before right now business-wise. He purchased the XFL property from, you know, Vince McMahon and Alpha Entertainment or whatever. You've got the Nick Khan connection there, and you've got The Rock's cousin and and his other cousin's biggest star recently signing a new contract where he doesn't have to show up as much as he wants to. Could the play be The Rock taking over Vince's position? <laughs> Could you see The Rock being not a wrestler, but just being the face of WWE? I mean, at he's the still level, clearly, he still he he just did a TV show based off of his wrestling. Career yes, and still clearly very much likes wrestling, and maybe the obstacle has been he didn't want to be associated with Vince anymore. Right. Not like where 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 he's at. I like where I like I like I like this one. I like this theory. <laughs> I think, yeah, a some kind of connection with Nick Khan as the business guy, Rock as the face, and Jeff Jarrett as the doing the creative. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in here. I like there's it. the I like triumvirate. It. This is the connection, man. You got Jarrett and Triple H doing like the 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 creative stuff. Triple H doing less, you know, because he's his heart is broken or whatever. Uh, and you've got the Rock as the figure. Because I mean, if there's anybody at this point who is a, a, a insane media brand that could be the face of a company like 
like the WWE and you know has that connection but the crossover appeal and now is probably the best time where like he could slow down and be the you know and be the brand ambassador for WWE do some movies do some stuff here and there like I'm sorry but that's like a perfect match match made right there and you just have have Rock be the face of the company Nick Khan handles all the business you got Triple H Jeff Jarrett conglomerate of all them doing running the day-to-day you got basically Conrad. The Con- all of the Conrad podcasts are running the show, and uh, yeah, I mean, fuck, like that's uh, that's not that crazy of a thing to see with the way everything's positioned. Because what are the, what I mean, people are talking about how this stuff has been grumbling around in the background for a while. I mean, when did when did Roman step away? Could that not be a part of it? Because that Ro- not having Roman around sinks really sinks the you know the star power of the show during this time period and vince is looking weaker and weaker ratings are going down the toilet the only star that you have doesn't want to show up meanwhile his cousin could swoop right in and now he starts showing up more often i mean i don't know that would it would not be the most insane thing to think about um i I still feel like the most fun scenario here is a scorned triple h and stephanie like sure like burning burning it down on the way out I feel like that's the the I feel like that's the more fun option. I gotcha. I gotcha. I mean, I'm I'm sure, I'm sure that that's, po- just equally likely, if not more so, honestly, with with the background that Triple H has with the politics and learning from the true master. I've always said, man, I think, I think that you look at everything from our time period of wrestling and and what wrestling has become. The true master of politicking was Kevin Nash. This he yeah. just the best that there's ever been at political gamesmanship in professional he's, wrestling. He's best he's best friends with Kevin Nash and Shawn Michaels. Like, yes, exactly. He he he, he and like learned directly under Vince for what how, how for however however many years now. Yeah, like if the, if this was a way, would it shock you if Nick Khan and Triple H were working together? No, probably like maybe 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 a little bit because of just how, how NXT eventually died but i don't know i wouldn't even, i would that wouldn't even like shock me either if we saw like maybe triple h come back into the fall with nick Khan, like i wouldn't be shocked i would not honestly i could see that it's a lot of people involved this is a death of stalin situation where all of the people that are near to vince all want him out and they're all conspiring yeah. together to get rid of him because they know that he's not going to leave on his own like really, I wouldn't be shocked to hear that that's really the case. That pretty much everyone's done with him because the guy is a le- fucking sinking the sh- the ship like a lead balloon. I mean, really, Tr- uh, has WWE been less relevant than it is now? I mean, it makes I, I could, money. I couldn't but- even ex- I couldn't even tell you who like the second most over person on WWE programming is right now. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm- I probably wouldn't even be able to tell you. I couldn't. I could. I can't. I don't know. I have no frame of reference. I can't say that this is true, but I just assume. Based on what I hear, that it's just Roman, is and, it Randy Cody, Orton, like, and Cody, is it and Cody, I guess Randy Cody. maybe, but like that's it. That's all I know really. And but I don't have any proof of any of this because I haven't seen any of it. I have no fucking idea. I have not watched a stitch of WWE programming, and I don't know how long at this point. And like yeah, I maybe the last thing I saw was like a Daniel Bryan match. Like you know, like that's it. So yeah, like. And other than that, like the rest of the show, God, I can't, I haven't watched a full WWE show in so long. It's like impossible to remember. Um, yeah. Really. So yeah, it's just, it's a, it, 
again, that's why I say, like, I don't know. I think Cody, Randy Orton, those, I think Cody and Randy Orton are both out hurt now. <laughs> and Roman's gone because, you know, he's Roman. I don't know if, I don't know if Brock even still works for the company. <laughs> like, you I'm not I sure. Think, I think he, I think he does. Yeah, it's very possible, but not. Is it, is it Riddle? Is it Montez, is it Montez Ford? Is it? <laughs> I feel like I it, still hear people Bian- say that Montez Ford is getting wasted. So maybe it's not him. Is it Bianca Belair, I guess? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Becky, like, people say that Becky was, like, stone cold for a while, but I don't think that that was ever true. But she's, but she's, been, she's, been, she's been a heel for, like, the last year now. Oh, you know who it is? Sasha Banks. Oh. Who's also oh, gone. Wait. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, wait. She's, <laughs> she's not there anymore. Yeah, we talked about that. She's gone. They don't have any fucking stars, basically. I don't think that they have a single star. This is um, dire as fuck. <laughs> this is, it, like, dire. And Riddle, I mean... You mentioned Riddle there, but imagine they pull the trigger on Riddle. Really, do you think that all of his dirt doesn't come back up? Oh no! If, that's probably the only reason why he hasn't gone further. Yeah, exactly. Because the second you pull the trigger on him, all that dirt is going to come back. Up. Oh yeah! As as soon as soon as they even hint towards that, they've been doing they've been doing the smart thing, kind of like hiding him with a, with the RK Bro tag team. But as soon as they inch towards riddle in a meaningful like world title thing that's coming right back up yeah so it's just kind of like yeah i don't know i don't know if you could even say that he's a guy austin theory i think that they're behind but he's another one that has weird shit in his past where it's just like i don't know what they're thinking really i guess they're thinking cancel culture is over right because that's what i hear (laughs) i don't know if i told you this but i've been listening to the jimmy Dore show um here and there i think i mentioned it actually on the solo podcast a little bit um but uh, he he was saying that cancel culture is dead because of the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard uh, trial. Basically, that that's a sign that cancel culture is over. So maybe that's what Vince thinks he can Wait, push what? Austin Theory because cancel uh-huh. culture is over. I'm so confused by the correlation there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I really don't get it. But that's 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 the that's the take out there right now. Um, but yeah. <laughs> any any more thoughts on Vince as we've gone? No, we're not going to ask you, like, yeah. we're not going to ask you, not to litigate the situation, but, like, out of curiosity, just because I know you're such an audiophile, like, did, did, how much Amber Heard, J- Johnny Depp podcast content did you listen to? Oh, very little. Very, very little. Okay, I, really? Yeah, yeah, I did not. I did not. I did, I did get kind of upset listening to, like, a VOW, them, their takes on it a little bit, but they were, the reason why I was upset, and I, I, you know, I put this out there, too, like, I think it's pretty sexist to be, like, I don't care about any of this and I don't know who Amber Heard is, you know, I feel like, and that was basically the crux of their chat. Um, otherwise like, yeah, I followed very little of it. I know my sister is into that kind of stuff. Like she'll listen to like crazy days and nights and the you know entertainment lawyer kind of gossip stuff and, and tells me a little bit, but I'm not, I just don't follow that stuff as much. I saw some like TikTok. the, the Johnny Depp stuff was all over TikTok. There was some stuff that I found funny. Like, out of context, there's just some funny stuff. But, yeah, that's about it. The whole thing is very scary, and I don't like it, like, when it comes to free speech, you know? And, like, more and more just the legal system being taken over by uh, people with money. And, basically, the court's just showing deference to, you know, again, like, if you have the most money and the, 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 the legal team and you get kind of popular sentiment on your side then the you know rights and what's legally correct doesn't really matter anymore um so that's definitely kind of scary in that regard but otherwise yeah i did not 
didn't follow it much. Um, all right. So like I said, about 45 minutes in, so I'll remember to put the timestamp on that. Quentin, do we want to move on to some wrestling here? Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's do some wrestling, actually. All right. Do you want to do action and then then we can maybe talk about the uncharted territory stuff or do you want to do dominion first uh let's let's get action and uncharted, uncharted territory out the way okay um so action wrestling ran their show on friday night um while i was at the dentist so shame on them uh i even told matt like directly in dm that it's like how do you expect me to watch this live when i'm going to be at the dentist at this time you know this is just not considerate at all push it back i know that you guys are on the east coast but can you not just have it have the show be a little bit later the crowds are hot enough but i guess it's kids they got to get to sleep early um either way suge you're going down um hot crowd basically trying to be the payoff for the good hand storyline i guess is the theoretical idea but but not really the main event and not i don't know maybe not the main thing coming out of it um that said i mean overall the show thoughts build up all of that stuff anything you want to mention i enjoyed the show but i feel like i don't know there's kind of a disconnect here where I like the idea of the Shug D story, but it's not really getting the kind of reaction that makes it feel like a hot program either. It's not that it's like not booked well. Something about it feels like there's a level of disconnect, maybe because Shug isn't being presented as important enough. Like maybe if Shug had the tag titles or somebody, or maybe if Shug was the champ, like those things of those things will be a little different but because of a lack of credibility i feel like that a title would give suge that the angle and the story they're telling doesn't quite feel like as important as actions making it be yeah i can see that and i do think part of it i don't know i don't know what the thought is behind it but it feels like suge doesn't show up enough in ring or in the building like it's a little bit too much of hoopla you know all sizzle no steak kind of thing and yeah i think that that makes it so there isn't a lot of credibility and and i think that his group could use somebody else in the team that's um you know a little bit more a little bit just I don't know, has a little bit more established, a little bit more something behind them. I think just, you know, Kevin Ryan and Suge D is not an imposing threat on the, you know, the entire roster. So we'll talk about it when we get to that match, but maybe the angle coming out of that fixes that part, but it feels like, I won't say too late, but it feels like, it feels very late. It does. It, it, does, it is too late. Yeah. It feels straight like, straight up, it, yeah. It, it is too late compared like they were doing this story was it like last year or was it like it I feel like they were doing like the story it. last i feel like they were doing this like the good hand stuff last year yeah feels like the story's been going on for too long to then now be adding another person to it to try to add credibility to it 
Um, either way, we'll get into the show. And like, and like, you have to, oh. and like, you have to, you have to, like, you have to build up talent. Like, in order to get there, like, we'll talk about, like, we we'll, 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 we'll might as well just like talk about what happens. But it's like, sure. well, like Alex, like Alex Kane, like adding Alex yeah. Kane, in theory, is like a good move. But Alex Kane took a little bit to establish him as a guy on your roster. I got to be taken seriously on your roster. And in the time that it took to establish Alex Kane as a commodity, you lost time in which someone else could have been added to the fold for the group. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to imply that like they had Alex Kane in mind the whole time to try to like, you know, add some new life to this, to this act. But I think that you just waited too long while establishing other talent. If like, I feel like to be able to use as like, your stars of the future. Yeah, I I think that's it. I think it was it was that they just waited too long to finally pull the trigger on that. Um, to where, yeah, it feels like the angle of the program has worn out its welcome, and now you're adding something. And I almost was hoping that it wouldn't just be Alex Kane joins up with Suge with the way the angle was going. I was hoping that it was going to be Alex Kane just turned on Tangra, but he didn't necessarily side with Suge. Um, but then it kind of closed out, showing that that's where they were going. So. I mean, it's a plus because it makes the Good Hound team have a better wrestler in the team to kind of carry up that end of it so then we can get to what I was talking about where there's not enough in-ring credibility for the act. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I mean, again, in-ring credibility or whatever. Like, I think if you're gonna... If you're gonna trust someone like Suge to do this much in the angle and try to present it as a big thing then you got to trust him to do it in the ring too. And you can't just not have the in-ring part and try to act like, like try to really book around it, especially even here. I mean, having the way that this was set up, it felt like it was smoke and mirrors to not have Suge wrestle. And I, I just, I think if you don't want, if you don't want Suge wrestling, then don't, don't book him this way. If you want him to be a manager, I guess fine. But like either let him wrestle or don't book him as like an important heel. That's a wrestler. Like it just I don't know. Yeah. That's that's kind of my takeaway. Um otherwise, yeah, I think the angle and the other part of it too is the crowd. And this is something too that might come up when we talk about Uncharted Territory, because I've seen people mentioning and saying, like, I kinda wish Uncharted Territory was running in the action building just because of how hot the crowd is. But the action crowd I don't feel like gives you the same kind of reaction that you want if you're like a booker who's really into telling specific stories. You know? I feel like they. Sh- I feel like they should be running Basement East. Like, sure. If we're looking, if yeah. we're looking at the territory, like Basement East probably feels like where they should be running. Yeah, and it's probably and, and like I gotta imagine the TWE arena wasn't their first choice. No, like I, I, I can't imagine that it was. Um, but for whatever they that they had to work with, it's still worth pointing out the flaws in which something like Uncharted Territory right now for the kind of talent that they're producing. And they're still producing solid shows and great talent that like that are their that are, that are their own kind of guys. It still feels like the the heat is like kind of like evaporating. Yeah, in, in 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 the southeast a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and like the action building and the crowd is hot, but like I said, I don't feel like they give them the reaction that they want. They're amped up and mm. they're into everything, but I feel like they don't. They don't necessarily, yeah, they don't give the heel, they don't boo the heels and cheer the baby faces and react the way that, that the people, that they want for their stories, which, 
again, I think that you kind of got to just go with it, do the best you can, but or or I guess choose not to do it. But I just think that the TWE arena or whatever, like the crowd just is kind of dead. So it's like, okay, you get the reactions that you want and the crowd doesn't fight you and your storytelling as much, but they're also not as hot. And I just feel like that's not, yeah. That's not. Basement East would be the best of both worlds because that crowd is hot and also, you know, plays plays with the stories usually. Um, but either mm. way, we should probably get into the show. Eli Knight, Bobby Flacco. Um, Flacco's looking great more and more. I, I really am liking the Airbnb team. I wish that they just had their tag team match here instead of singles matches. But uh, I yeah. think unfortunately that got switched because of uh, Kevin Koo missing the show. Um, but yeah, Flacco looked good. Eli Knight... You Eli Knight, I feel like I should like, but I just he's just not speaking to me. Maybe I'm missing it, he's, but yeah, go ahead. He's not, like, amazing or anything, but, like, for a good, like, young, athletic, like, you know, like, flashy flyer type, like, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, he did, he, did, he did his spots well. Sure. And that's, like, the bare minimum that you're asking for of, like, those kinds of, of those kind of guys. Yeah, I think he's got, like, like, more charisma than, like, Jason Cade at this point in his career, but, like, less yeah. than Myron Reed, you know? And he feels, like, kind of in between those two um, when I just think about, when I think about, like, what I'm thinking of, of, like, him coming up, just because those guys kind of came up at the same time. Um, either way, follow that up. Ashton Star, Robert Martyr. I don't know if you listened to my solo podcast last week, but I kind of went on a little bit of a diatribe about Robert Martyr and the position that he should be in. Um, and I think that this match is where he should be. I think that if you think of Robert Martyr not as like a a, 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 a phenom, not a phenom, well, yeah, a phenom, I don't know, I was going to say like yeah, a prodigy, you know, that kind of guy, but you think of him as at the same level as Ashton Starr, like that's the perfect spot for a Robert Martyr kind of guy. Potential, getting better, not great, and the, their rivalry has been really good, and I enjoyed this matchup. I think Ashton Starr brought it here to Robert Martyr. He's been looking more and more aggressive and more and more violent. Robert Martyr, I think, does better when he is more brawly. And the finish, I actually kind of liked the finish, even if it's a little goofy, really, when you think about it. It doesn't quite make sense. But, you know, you know that's just, it's. but it's wrestling. Like, it's a, it's a wrestling trope that's as old as time. But if you stop and think about it for just a little bit too long, it like doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but you know that that's just, it's just part of wrestling. Uh, but yeah, what did you think? Oh no, I, I, I don't, and I'm with you here that it's almost a thing that hurts Robert Martyr to get kind of sucked into the hype machine of wow, he's so young and look at the kind of stuff that he's watching. He's clearly a student of the game. Like no, if you just let him go out there with people that are around his level in terms of notoriety. That's where he'll. That's where he's going to shine the most, instead of pretending that he's a guy that should be out there in like dream match situations. So I, I really enjoyed him here, and and Ashton Star just gets better every time I see him too. So I thought this was super solid. Yeah, Ashton Star is, uh, I think, underappreciated for the WWA four guys or whatever. Um, as like you know, being he was kind of the unsung of the guys when like the Skulk was coming around and. Um, Ruff got signed by WWE and you know obviously we talked about us in theory but like yeah I think he uh, he's definitely building it up and, and will end up being on that level um, next we get a trios match the this Jaden Newman team with Noah Hossman has really improved and Noah Hossman as I've continued to watch more and more of him over the weekend he's awesome he's really good <laughs> yeah he's great I mean he's so good against uh, 
Bill's getting paid and Matt sells as they're they're talking about here. Uh, Billy Starks and Billy Tipton and Matt sells. Um, the the commentary was trying like hell to come up with a good pun for you know the bills and the and the and the cells right but uh yeah i couldn't uh i couldn't think of anything too good i was like it was you know bills low sells high no i don't know if that's any good either way um but what did you think of the match uh this was fine like i like the crowd interactions i like, I like the crowd interactions and this was like this is actually like one of probably, if I'm about fun it's probably one of probably the most fun match on the show but Nothing about it really stuck with me, other than like you you mentioned him. But how how, how much I love Noah Hosman. Yeah, I think he's awesome. I think he's really really great and fun, and he's 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 a good mix because he's credible because of his size and how well he does things in the ring. But he also doesn't take himself too seriously, and that's almost the perfect way to get over and develop because you'll learn a a lot of different skills occupying that kind of space yeah and his gimmick is kind of goofy and kind of funny but yeah again he's got the credibility for the size him and i will because i checked out the twe show um for the daniel makave versus martyr match which was good um it was really good really but uh there was a noah hosman and brogan finley match which we'll talk about finley right now that absolutely rocked um but yeah, we'll move on to that. Dom Garini versus Brogan Finley. And if you want to talk about that, uh, you know, you don't get paid by the hour thing. This felt like Dom was, you know, I don't get paid by the hour. Um, even if I guess, you know, it's action and the matches don't go long, you really expect kind of something more, especially from Dom. Um, but no, relatively quick. Um, I this felt, like, this, felt, this felt like old Dominic Garini. Yes. I really like Brogan. Um, if he's not you know, a great seller, you know, again, that's why I think the tag team works for him. Um, not that he's a bad seller, but that's not his strong suit. But when he's on offense, I think he looks great. Um, and his offense looks good. I think, I think he could do a little bit less high flying stuff, but you know, not that anything looks bad, but it's just not his strongest suit. And, you know, he's young, but feels like he could build to, to being on the level of having a match with Dom that comes across a little bit more 50, 50 here. Um, even if, you know, this was solid, all that. And, uh, yeah, I just, I dig Brogan here. It's interesting. Cause I keep kind of potent saying stuff like, oh, he's so much better than his brother and this and that. But, uh, his brother, I, I thought his brother looked like he had a ton of potential when he was at this point in his career too. So, you know, there is kind of that as well to say like, who knows what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I dug it, but it definitely felt quick. Um, even if it wasn't. It wasn't even the quickest match on the show, but it felt really quick. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like uh, Brogan, again, bro I think the tag team really works for Brogan because he gets to show off what he's good at more um, and not necessarily. I mean, actually, his selling was pretty good here at times. Like, there was some arm stuff that looked good. Either way, uh, yeah, what did you think? He's still, he's, still, he's, still, he's still newer and developing. So, like, a tag team is good for that kind of stuff, like, where you can just accentuate positives in everything. Like, we talked about that with Suplex Science, where, like, we both like the idea of suplex science on paper more than the actual product we got sometimes. And like, like, like right, right here with Brogan, like I think with his level and like, I was like, we're not hyping up Airbnb to be like this amazing, great tag team, but it's good for what it is because they both just get to do what they're, what they're best at. I didn't, I thought this was fun. I didn't, I didn't really love it. 
Dom's singles matches haven't really been doing it for me the last few months. So while this was good, I am kind of starting to fall back into that space where like I'm not really feeling it with Dom right now. Yeah, I can't blame you for that. I can't blame you for that. Um, so now we'll talk about uh, maybe the main event of the evening. I don't know. I I'm, I want to say best match on the show, but maybe not. Um, Daniel Makabe versus Anthony Henry. Quentin, uh, how about you start this out? Give me your thoughts on this one. Uh, Anthony Henry... At points, looks like he's the best wrestler in the world. Yes. And this was really good. I feel like there's a better match in them, if I'm being honest. But I still thought this was super good. Like everything about the everything about the intensity here that Anthony Henry can bring out can bring out of Daniel Makabe, the the selling, the pace, and just like the gravity of how it felt. I I loved all of this, and it's rare when I watch a Dan match to watch it and not think he's the better wrestler in it. But that just speaks to how good Anthony Henry is right now as to where Daniel Makabe, I, that I love and I, like, and I, like at works is having three star matches, maybe higher every time he goes out into the ring where I was like, no, Anthony Henry looks like, it feels like the better guy here. Yeah. Um, I talked about it when Henry was coming back to the Indies after leaving WWE, and I didn't, you know, it's it's always shaky, but it's like, you know, what's going to happen? Is your Are your nerves going to be struck? Are people going to lose confidence because they didn't make it? They had this big shot and this big positioning, and then they lose it. Uh, or are they going to come back? Because before he left, Anthony Henry was on a career run, as far as I was concerned, looking better than anyone in the world at times, one of the best heels in all of wrestling. And he's come back and he's really hit the ground running. It's, it's as if nothing, it's as if there's no hiccup, which I love that. The guy is just not shakable. And so many people have, have again, like Keith Lee is one to even talk about who you think is like unflappable, the way he comes across cool, calm, all this. You think Anthony Henry, he comes across like some weird, like Davy Richards disciple who would be a fucking hothead and a psycho, right? But. He's not, but like, yeah, like when Keith Lee had the failing in WWE, there was talk that like his confidence was shook when he was on the main roster and he didn't believe in himself and gained a bunch of weight and all this other stuff and, and how tough that was. Could you imagine Anthony Henry, like the same thing, like he gets signed, he's on the big leagues, he's on, you know, 205 Live, all this and that. They're actually, he like doesn't go to NXT. They bring him straight to what's like considered main roster, even if it's not right. And, uh, and then just gets fucking shit canned out of nowhere, like nothing. And he doesn't seem shaken at all. He's like still 100% confident oh, in his oh, ability. Oh, bring, bring, before you mentioned, I forgot to mention that when we did, when we did the Vince segment. So I'm not doing it in order to bring back up any bad things like that. But if the total wound up being around $2 million, $3 million that was being paid out to this person and, 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 and hush money and all that kind of stuff, do you think that releasing all those people the last couple of years was to pay for those expenses i don't know that would be really bad that would be really really bad because you can't be doing that you can't because because imagine if like imagine going to a meeting and you're going to like a fight like a fight like a financial meeting with that company and like 
oh, well, every once in a while, oh, $200,000 is gone. Or yeah. $300,000 is gone. It's like, it feels like you have to cover your losses somehow when you have like a board of directors and other front office people that are looking yeah, exactly. at the financial reports and everything. So part of me wonders if people were getting released to cover that up. I don't know. It's just a, it's just a thing to think about. Yeah, no, it's definitely interesting to think about that um, and what how different things could have been if that is the case. Because someone like Anthony Henry might have not gotten released um, and not shown that he's, like, unflappable, which is really interesting to see. It's just, it's so interesting to see someone like that. And, I, and you know what? He deserves it because just like you said, how good he is. There's no reason why Anthony Henry should fucking second-guess himself because one dumbass guy who's just happens to be like the top promoter in wrestling doesn't see or doesn't appreciate how good of a wrestler anthony henry really is because he's fucking phenomenal just like you said right here there's no it's like hard to watch this and not say like that he's the best wrestler in the world at times and that he was the better wrestler of the two here um yeah this was good and like you said could see something better one thing for sure, like I said, watching all the matches over the weekend is that Daniel Makabe came to the South this weekend to play. Like he came to show off and have a lot of fun because he definitely had a lot of neat little spots that I haven't seen him do before or haven't seen him do in a long time. Unique things that you don't see other people do ever, counters and, you know, holds and moves. Like, yeah, he was definitely showing off this weekend showing out this weekend uh having some fun so that was nice to see and it definitely was in this match as well the counter the counter to the neck crank on the apron where he you know kind of turtled up and grabbed him with his legs i've never seen anybody do that before that was such a weird little spot and just a weird little counter and like it wasn't anything crazy but it was just neat you know that was like uh that was a that was a cool little thing but we follow this up and this is where i say Maybe this was the match of the night. And like I said, if you listen to the uh, the solo podcast about Uncharted Territory, Adam Priest, I think the MVP of Uncharted Territory up until this point, after the latest yeah, episode, yeah. I think it's undeniable that Adam Priest is absolutely on fire. Um, amazing wrestler. Um, doing it all. Like... All Styles Adam Priest is such a weird nickname. It it really does border on Ace of Base or whatever the fuck uh, Gringo Loco calls himself that I hate. Base, base, base God. Base God, yeah. Um, just for being like such a weird... Because why would you be All Styles? What does that even mean in the context of wrestling if it's a shoot or whatever, you know? But either way, I mean, this guy, no matter what Adam Priest is doing right now, he's fucking knocking it out of the park uh, every time and i just love this goofy little you know restart D after the dq um and such a cool way to build to the dq especially because adam priest is a baby face here which is this is another thing to show off like just how good he is uncharted territory he's the heelest of heel action wrestling for some reason again i talked about the crowd not giving you what you want so maybe that's part of why they don't want to run uncharted territory and in, in action zone because could you imagine what uncharted territory looks like right now if you don't have adam priest as a heel i don't know um you know because this crowd refuses to, to, to dislike the guy but such a great way to do the story with the, the 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 dq but priest is like no fuck that we're not ending this match like this 
Um, and then he says, let's bring this back. No DQ. Let's go. And then, yeah, then they just beat the fucking tar out of each other all around the building. Continue to use the chair throughout the match. Insane bumps and great selling from Priest. Um, and then the comebacks from Priest, like nuts. Like Priest's offense looks great. Um, and then the finish with the hand. Oh, my fucking God. Like such a great, valiant, overcoming babyface spot. He's undersized and he's going up against the bigger, tougher brawler who should be able to take him down. But he's not just like not just tenacious, not just dogged. Not just a little pit bull, but he's also cunning and smart and willing to take and do everything it takes. Um, phenomenal. Gets the microphone afterwards. Cuts a fucking kick-ass promo. Uh, calling out even Kevin Koo, who's, you know, the champion that people love and this and that. But really makes you feel like, no, no, no. Like, this guy is the people's champ. And this guy should probably win the championship. Um, it doesn't hurt that, like, Kevin Koo is gone. So it does add to it a little bit to be like... Well, Priest is here doing all this, and like I said, he's the people's champ. So, like, he, yeah, he, he should beat he, him. Yeah, but he, but he does feel, feel like the guy right now. Yeah, he does. But, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, but, Quentin, f- feel free to give your thoughts. One, J.D. Drake is, like, just so good at literally everything. And even, like, in this role here, like, well, for, for as kick-ass as this match is, this match is also, like, super funny at points. It was just like the kind of like dialogue between them, and even like when J when JD hits him with the chair and is walking off, and like even like JD's responses to the crowd, like it's funny and it gives you everything that you want. It's aggressive and mean and executed super well. And then there's bits here that like make you laugh, and it's not all JD. It's what makes Adam Priest such an interesting character is that he can do this, and you look at him a certain way, short muscle short muscled up guy that you kind of put into the Benoit Davy like you know that kind of that kind of mold but he has a lot of charm to him too like a a real charm to him that you got that those guys like just didn't have and I feel like that's what makes Adam Priest stand out in such a unique way because he can do all this and he can wrestle all styles and work with anybody and it fits and it works but I think what really strings it all together is his like personality and how charismatic he is and how he makes those things work. It's not, it's not just an in-ring thing like, oh, I can work this style. It's like really driven by how charismatic he is. Yeah, no, uh, it's, that's definitely part of it. It's that Southern wrestler thing, you know, and that's, when you talk about those other guys, the, the, the short, muscled-up guys, and it's why I compare him to Jamie Noble, too, because Jamie Noble had that, too. Like, short, muscled-up, yeah. great technical wrestler, but it's got that... Southern, again, people used it as a derogatory thing for a long time. People would dismiss it that way because it's not serious, but, you know, it's like Tracy Smothers. It's it's character, you know? it's That's the thing that stands out. It's the guy is not just a great in the ring bell to bell wrestler he can do all the spots but he's got that southern wrestler thing he's got that like in front of the kids and the grandmas and the grandpas and everybody he's also got that personality that you don't you don't need to understand exactly what's going on you don't need to have been following everything you don't need to be on the page you get it instantly and like you said it it just cuts through comedy the universal language right like 
really like math they say math is the universal language man comedy is the universal language people understand like farts are funny across every fucking culture no matter what you instantly get it right you know you don't need to know anything else um like that kind of thing just works and so when they're like you have this the little offhanded you know flicks of of personality and things that come through like you instantly get it and and a lot of other wrestlers who just become too serious and too focused on again like technical and and all this other stuff they completely miss that part of things um luckily we got these two guys who both really get that and are able to bring that across the whole thing um we've already talked a bit about the good hand stuff but uh quentin feel free to uh give any thoughts you have on the match and then um I'm going to go check the oven. I will hear you. So roll from that into the main event. Um, I, I think the way they, the, the way they executed this was probably pretty good among the type of, among the type of angle that this is and the history that we get from it. It wasn't the best. And obviously at this point you feel something coming, uh, it does feel a little predictable at a certain point. That's just, a, that's just the nature of this kind of angle. And I'm not emotionally invested in suplex science. So it wasn't like, this is like, a, oh, I can't believe that Alex Kane did this kind of thing. So as far as an emotional reaction, which is what a turn is supposed to elicit, it didn't exactly do that for me. But I thought the angle was executed really well. AC Mack versus Eric Royal. Uh, man, with Mac, and we'll talk about this when we get to Uncharted Territory, Mac is, it really is so inconsistent with him, and it just doesn't work for me the majority of the time. And it's not through like he's not trying, or that I feel like he's not putting his best foot forward. He's just a guy that is super hit and miss. For me, and even in a ring, even in a ring with a guy like Eric Royal, who I feel like is really good at accentuating someone's positives and doing and really highlighting what they're best at and not taking them too far out of their depth from where they thrive, it still felt like AC couldn't really keep up in my in my opinion. So that that's what I, that's what I have there. That's kind of a little bit of how I feel about the about the AC Mac and and Makabe match that we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I, AC is I don't I don't I don't know, man. Like it's a good story. It's a fun story. But it's like I can't pretend like I've ever thought AC was a consistent guy in the ring that always delivered in these kind of spots because then I'd be lying. I. I can see where you're coming from. I'm really starting to appreciate the title reign for AC Mack and what he's doing. Um, I think that he's having different styles of matches than you know what you expect from a big championship match all the time. Um, that said, I'm with you because even when we do, if we do, you know, just kind of mention the the Uncharted territory, you got something like um, Eric Royal versus Brian Williams, which I think is like a better showing of exactly what you're talking about there, which is that. Eric Royal can really like do these unique and interesting things with people that make them look great. Um, and yeah, like you're definitely missing. 
I don't even know how to put it. There's definitely a fire from Mac that's missing. I just... There's not a believability. There's not... Um, there's not just like that next level where you get into him as like that that his offense is really legit. Um, I think that his selling is good and like some of his fireworks stuff looks good. And he has some like decent looking strikes. But his move to move, his transitions, his stuff in between is really missing. Um, And it's just not there. And like... (laughs) Uh, it's so funny it popped in my head you know Kenny Omega does he know how to do basic moves um you know it's kind of that thing where you talk I've talked about it in the past with like John Cena like when he became such a big star so quick why why would he think that he ever needed to improve as a wrestler and then eventually he kind of did Matt could really use to like get better as a wrestler but I think that he's gotten pushed to the to the main event level because of how good he is as a talker that like he doesn't really focus on on that other stuff and i i think it's easy to overlook and it's easy to just say like oh that you know that, it doesn't matter and because he does there is a lot of stuff that he does good and he's athletic enough and fine enough but it's just that that next little polishing that he's missing he's just not i don't think he's ever going to be a great wrestler unless he really works on it um you know, so he's just kind of fine. That said, like I, like I said, I'm buying into it. I'm loving the, I'm loving the title reign more and more. I like the story as it's unfolding, the way that things are going. Um, so like I don't, I don't, uh, I don't hate it. You know, like you said though, it's like, it's not. He doesn't deliver match to match as much as he could. Um, that said, I mean. This title. Well, like, I want to be. I want to be. I want to be clear. I'm, you know, I'm not saying he's being bad. Or sure, anything. sure. It's just I've felt this way about Mac as a main event guy for a couple of years. Like you're asking a lot of this guy that like just isn't that kind of wrestler. No. No, I mean that's that's fair as a way to say it. And he's you know relatively new still. He's been wrestling for like six years. It says and has been kind of treated as a main eventer for like three of the six years that he's been around right i mean has he he's been kind of treated that way this whole time when you really think about his career um so it's just kind of it's kind of crazy to think of someone being pushed at that level um so quickly especially like when i say six years you also have to keep in mind that that's like the pandemic as well so the big chunk of that is like pandemic wrestling which has definitely affected everyone but like this iwtv title when you think about it like i almost i've been thinking about it a little bit and i'm just like this iwtv title has been in a funk for a very long time i mean what was the last like great title reign i might even say that like we're at a point where the best title reign to me or the best wrestler who was the champion was still like the first champion. Like Jonathan Gresham is still the best wrestler to have held the title, really. Um, you've had obviously other very good wrestlers, and then they've had good matches, but like some of them like haven't they've been like good wrestlers, but they didn't have a ton of great matches. Okay, wrestler you know, like there's just like this title has not really had a great lineage it just it unfortunately hasn't 
Um, and, I, and I would like, and I would, like, and I would like that. I think all of us would like that to be different, but it's something we got to be honest about these things. And I'm glad, like the evolution from Powerbomb to ITV, and how much it's gotten better since then, and the, how much the libraries expanded, and how much more it feels like a credible thing instead of like a niche little. This is where like the wrestling psychopaths like occupy. It feel, it's a real it's a real player now that should be respected and yeah I'm glad to have seen it evolve over the over the years but the belt is still an issue yeah and I don't even I really don't even see when like when that would when that will change honestly it's so hard to like, say I'm, what yeah go ahead son I'm, I'm saying it's like it feels like the basic thing that it needs is just put it on a good wrestler let them go out there and have good matches but it feels like when you do that that they decide to go put it on ac mac after alex shelley had the belt and alex shelley did what he could like he went out there and had imagine everyone to see him have he went out there had garcia garcia and yuda and uh and uh was was that a ladle match or was it a match versus ruby uh, yeah ruby and john wayne murnock yeah like he's he's went out there and had the matches that people wanted to see but you then go and put it on AC Mac, who like if we're everyone well no one will ever pretend that AC Mac is as good of a wrestler as Alex Shelley. No. And AC might have like the story going on with like the whole Southeast versus Northeast thing. But like who really cares about that at the end of the day? If you're like if you're if you're promote if you're promoting like here's why you should watch here's why you should watch our shows. Unless you guys are having a full fucking like civil war kind of thing, like it doesn't like it's not really going to matter if the guy that has the belt isn't delivering in the isn't delivering in those kind of matches on a regular basis, and that's what Alex Shelley offered in terms of a wrestling ability and just name value cachet. And you go from that to AC Mac, who has been part of the ITV IWTV loop for so long, so it feels like he's your guy, a guy that you're not worried about leaving, a guy that you can build around, but he's also not that good. It's a, it's a weird it's a weird conundrum that I feel like indies and suddenly IWTV has placed in where you don't want to hit your wagon to someone that could just be that, that could just be scooped up in a, in, a, in a matter of a month or so. We saw that happen with Orange Cassidy, but also like putting the belt on someone who might not necessarily be all that good. Yeah, it's a tough situation. It really is because it is like what what is this title supposed to be? how do you present it and then also what is the title actually right you have like three things that you have to deal with you have the id the ego and the super ego um no it, it, in a weird way it kind of is um because it is like the title clearly they try to present it like it's the top prize of of the iwtv network and it's like a championship that could be defended across the network um nationally and even internationally like that's how the, it feels like that's the way they want kind of want to present it, right? Then there's like, you know, what it actually is, which is like, it, it's kind of t- like then there's like yeah, like it's kind of tough to do that because IWTV itself doesn't really book that many shows. Having the Southeast first version of Uncharted Territory has kind of helped because now you actually have something that's a specific IWTV branded weekly show. Um, cause it is kind of, when you look at the history of the title, okay, like 
at the beginning, Powerbomb TV into the IWTV, you know, time frame, and then when the title, like the 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 standard bearer, the bellwether promotion was beyond. And you look at the early champions, and you got Grisham, Hot Sauce, Orange Cassidy, Chris Statlander, right? Yeah, like that is beyond wrestling. Clearly, that was the focus of the promotion, and that's the kind of wrestlers who have the title. But then you go from there. To like Eric Stevens winning it in BLP, like Warhorse, Lee Moriarty, Wheeler. Like then it's kind of like, okay, what is the title? It's kind of all over the place. These guys are like, whatever. And then now it's like, okay, the idea is that it's the Southern, the Hales vs. Promotion Championship, IWTV's own kind of thing. You're in the TWE arena, all this. But we've talked about it. I mean, there's enough fucking titles floating around in the South that mean jack shit. So then now you've got this title... And, and and so it's perceived kind of like, okay, this is the title that, like, that the IWTV promotion brass, like, they believe in the person. And then what you're actually getting is, like, yeah, like, solid matches that, that are really hard to follow. Like, I hate to say it, but like I said, when I saw someone say that the AC Mac title reign has been great, I instantly laughed. And then I had to look back and think about it and then look at the matches. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Actually, it has been good. And there has been some cool stuff here. And I have to go out of my way to, like, rewatch stuff and double check. Because it doesn't, there isn't, like, a cohesive narrative. It just feels like the title's all over the place. It feels like it's trying to be the NWA title. But in actuality, it just it's just, like, random kind of all over the place stuff. So I just, I don't know. It's really tough to decide, like, what are you going to... What, what do you want this title to be? How do you want to present this title? And what does it mean? And then on top of that, to deal with everything else that comes into it. It's just... It's a lot. It And that's probably why it's been such a fucking headache. Because, like, what do you... How do you make something like this work? Really, Quentin? Like, I mean, it's not our job I to figure that, it I, out, but... I think that you have to go with, like, what your hottest promotion is on your streaming service. And if... <sighs> That's West Coast Pro. <laughs> sure. And I don't want <laughs> to be the case. But if we're being honest, and there might be other reasons as to why this hasn't happened yet, like, realistically, that belt should probably be on a West Coast Pro guy. And you figure And you figure it out from there. Like, realist, realistically, that should be what's happening. Yeah. It feels like you're putting you're putting the belt on what's not even like people people watch the sub shows, people watch action shows, people watch like you know, like what it doesn't come across like your hottest property. It doesn't feel like that. And then in comparison, West Coast Pro West Coast Pro exists, and then even if we have like our own thoughts on the show, like with full disclosure, there was an option to review a West Coast Pro show instead, and we decided yeah. to do this instead. And that had Kosuke Takashita versus Mike Bailey on it, which I still haven't seen. What the? Like, uh, you we, son of a bitch! I was gonna ask you if you saw it. I wanted to talk about it. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see it. Like, <sighs> like we could have did that instead, and we didn't. And like, that's really and that, that's just like our own personal taste, not being loved with the promotion. But that's the hottest property on IWTV right now. Yeah. And like the belt that you have as a representative company isn't even part of that. And it feels like a level of dissonance and like separation of the universes that exist there. That if we're maximizing the belt and maximizing the credibility and maximizing the eyes on it, 
it be on a West Coast pro guy. It probably should be on Tyus Alexander. Or like, at least someone who's getting booked out there. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't help that another episode, another show of, of West Coast Pro didn't have Jacob Fatu on it. Um, so, yeah. And then, yeah, like you're saying, the IWTV title could have filled it, can fill in there when you don't have Jacob all the time. Um, and it doesn't have to be a West Coast Pro guy. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that it's going to happen anytime soon, but you got Daniel Makame in the Pacific Northwest. He could have won the title and then shown up on the West Coast Pro show. You know what I mean? Yeah, or someone that works prestige, like something like that. But like, it almost feels like the belt should be on the West Coast. And I know that like, that might just be a thing in terms of like, communications and proximity and difficulty with like, where people live at, that work for ITV and like all like this, other stuff that may be like, that may cause issues there. But it feels like just like how that belt ran through beyond at first, the belt now should be running through the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong, um, especially because yeah, it just feels like even if even if for good or for bad, it feels like the buzz comes off of those West Coast Pro shows and Prestige shows way more than anything else. And we've talked about action since the beginning. I have at least on podcasts, and me and you have talked about it as long as we've been doing this show and all this. Like, but it's never action has never gotten the praise that it deserves. Really, you don't really ever hear people talking about the shows, no matter how good they are, even. Even the people that you think should. Even that podcast that's like IWTV Guide. They don't talk about West Coast Pro shows, like, or action shows ever. But, like, you do hear about West Coast Pro shows. And you do get people saying that Titus Alexander is the new AJ Styles and getting buzzed. Like I said, for better or for worse, even if people are, like, dunking on that or or whatever, like, people are still talking about it. Even if I uh, make a backhanded compliment uh, saying that... um, I can't even remember who it was that someone was so good that they made Titus Alexander look good and Titus Alexander uh, name searched himself and liked my tweet. Um, <laughs> like, you, at least people are talking about it, right? But uh, they're not talking about... Um, or it's like, fucking... If Mike Bailey's available, and I get it, he's an impact guy, right? Sure. But if Mike Bailey's available... I know. You know what I mean? Like, I know. You have uh, options here. And, like, you chose AC Mac, And I get it. He's... One of your guys, like one of the people that became a star or whatever you want to call him through IWTV. But we. Okay, here's the. Sometimes. Sorry. Oh, here's oh, the thing, because oh, oh. I looked it up because I wanted to know. It was Brian Keith. Brian Keith was on the West Coast Pro Show. Brian Keith Brian is a Keith. champion in Why freelance Brian wrestling. Keith? Oh, Brian Keith is Christ. all over the Texas. And he's like, that is probably the guy who should have the strap right now. Um, even if he's not, you know iwtv like you don't think of him maybe you don't think of him as an iwtv guy because they don't associate with him that way but he he's constantly on iwtv and he's one of the better wrestlers on the on the service and around the and he like i said he's wrestling everywhere he was on the west coast pro show he's in freelance he's in you know new texas pro he's so yeah i mean that's a guy who yeah he should probably be in that title conversation right like yeah yeah i think that like i I think they just felt like they invested so much in the mac at that point that it felt like that was what they should do and it made for a great moment and a great match alex shelley but i don't know like it feels like they kind of overestimated like mac and their ability to tell this story when it feels like this should just be for right now 
a belt that a belt that a guy carries and it can travel all over and you go out there and have great matches with it and not kind of this whole southeast versus northeast thing that you're trying to do that isn't going to resonate when you're in an arena where nobody's making any noise yeah yeah but god the more i think about it keith is the guy right now man we're, I it should was, be right. Yeah, it should be, it should be Brian Keith. <laughs> I was watching the the West Coast Pro Show with with my with my partner Alicia, and uh, he came out and you know Brian Keith's whole thing is kind of weird because he's you know a bounty hunter. He comes out to Mike Jones. He's got a cowboy hat and a um, poncho on, and he rolls his eyes in the back of his head while he's wearing a mouthpiece. You know the it's whole lot, thing. It's a, it's a it's a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Um, but then as the match was going on, Alicia's just like, "No, that guy's really great," and she got mm-hmm. it. Like you know, one match and just watching him, she was into it, and she's just like, "He's really good," you know. And yeah, like I said, there's a lot going on there, and it's a little it's a little odd, but but he's he's just good i think you just see him and i think that yeah like if that's the champion and he comes from territory to territory defending the belt against the top star wherever i think that that really does that's the kind of guy that can build up the brand and you can kind of go like yeah like this is the guy and like people will they just they'll he'll win people over just like he did like i said sitting on the couch he was over on the the couch with like (laughs) alicia who's never really seen him wrestle before she's like no that guy rocks like He's really fucking good. So, yeah, I think that he would win over wrestling fans in whatever territory. He's the champion. People are excited to see him. He's already been doing it. He's already been going, getting over everywhere he goes. People love him. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the guy that you want. Um, but we got this. We've got what we've got, and I guess we can move on to the Uncharted Territory thing. So I've referenced it twice. Did you listen to the solo podcast with just me last week talking about yes. Uncharted Territory? Have you watched Uncharted Territory? I saw the main event. Okay. What did you think about kind of my takes on everything up until this point with Uncharted Territory? Did you, could you give me a refresher? Is there any... I guess... Okay. So if nothing stood out that you really like got... like I mentioned Adam Priest MVP, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. AC Mac kind of championship run uh, being kind of unique... Um, that's about it, really. There wasn't a ton there. Maybe um, talking about the the static two shots with the um, with the commentators and and not uh, not doing as much angles as I was expecting. Kind of, I talked about that. Yeah, what do you I, think? I, I I agree with that. I feel like that's on. It feels like they're just doing a show that happens to be in the southeast and not anything that feels like they stole the rights to the uncharted territory like sure. it doesn't really feel like that and like the angle feels almost feel almost feels non-existent and i get it like that's a lot of travel for people especially like during the week and stuff like i get it but it this ain't this whole story feels kind of pointless right now yeah it feels like they did all that build and set up and then like they just let all the air out of the tires like yeah. it's just oh yeah it's done and then now it's just here and like you said it feels like it's just the same show but it's in the south now instead of yeah, just, just, yeah. Just, just look at look at look at the show it's Billy Star versus Nick Iggy I don't know where they where they dug up Nick Iggy Nick Iggy from he like, just returned um, and yeah he, he did like a bit of an angle and all this stuff but yeah 
like Eric Eric Royal, Brandon Williams. We've seen Brandon Williams on on some shows. Adam Priest, Robert Martyr, Jenna Newman, BK Westbrook, Kevin Koo, Derek Neal. We're familiar with both of those guys. Noah Hoffman, Damian Turner, Merck, Hunter Drake, Tank is on this show. Yeah. Then AC, then then AC Mack and Daniel Makabe, like who's a who's a who's a who's a Northwest guy, but has made a second home in the in the Southeast. Like, what about this feels like the South versus Beyond, or the South versus the North? Does it not, nothing? Like, where is that? Where yeah. is it? Yeah, we're no, six episodes in, and there's almost very light angles here. There's like almost no angles really happen on this show. Um, Except for, I guess there was a weird opening, which I caught a little bit late. Um, there was an opening bit with Damian Tangra attacking Suge. Um, and then it, you know, brawled out into the arena and had to be broken up by everyone. Um, but that was really it. Throughout the rest of the show, there wasn't any big angles. Um, I don't know if you saw the gif of the dragon screw, the ace dragon screw, but one of the best uh, yes. moves saw, in the history of wrestling. So I and the match itself was really good. I I saw Simon tweet out something about like I'm not never gonna watch the match so that it ruins this gif and I get where he's coming from. But honestly, the match really did kick ass. I'm not telling oh, Simon I, I, to watch it, but I'm telling you to watch I, I did, it. I did see I did see Priest versus Martyr too. That was yeah. good. Priest versus Martyr was really good. But yeah, I mean, there's like no angles. There's no and I was I was really expecting that when you know Uncharted territory turned into like a southern thing that it was going to be. A southern thing and have like some of that old stuff and and i talked about it but like you know you just remember all the big angles and and you know s- studio wrestling didn't have angles on every episode but i mean god it just we're getting very little of it here um tank and and sawyer rex doors of doom was fucking wild so i would definitely recommend checking that out too uh just crazy crazy death match with a, a bunch of really nutty bumps um but yeah, so like you know, again, just not, not getting much here. Not getting much in the like you said in the sense of like feeling like it's beyond versus the south, and not getting much of like I said like southern studio wrestling from the territory days. Not really getting a lot of that either. So just really feeling like you just took the same show from beyond. You even got the Infinity Gauntlet or whatever Discovery Gauntlet, uh, just happening here. They just took it over. You know, like yeah, just. Unfortunately, it's not giving me what I was hoping for, um, and it's not really breathing new life into the Uncharted Territory brand in a way that I was, like, hoping that it would. That said, I mean, there's still a lot of good stuff, and there's the main event, which you mentioned that you watched, um, AC Mack versus Daniel Makabe, and like I said, Makabe is out here to show off. Um, One thing that crossed my mind after this weekend, and in general, is that we've always said that Daniel Makabe is a better heel. I know that he believes that. We've talked to him about it. Um, yeah. And whatever, it's true, it's not true. It is what it is. But I do think that we're now at a point where even if you believe that Daniel Makabe is a better heel, he's become a natural babyface. To the point where I don't know if Daniel Makabe will ever truly get booed the way he used to. I don't think that there's a crowd that's going to want to boo him ever again. And I don't know if there's much that he can really do to be a heel like he was in the past. What do you think about that? Right. Huh. I think it's interesting. I trust Dan enough in order to figure that out, but 
how organic would it feel? Like, I think I think would be the question there. I think that Dan is more than good enough to like, even if they appreciate him, and he is a natural baby face in, in in your in your eyes with like how he sells and his facial expressions and stuff like that. How easily root, like how easy he is to root for uh, during the course during the course of a match that to you is like this is just a he's just a likable guy. I think that I trust Dan enough to figure that out. But I'll, but I'm also one that's been waiting for when is the heel Dan Makabe kind of come to the south and. I don't. I don't know. I feel like it could. I feel like it could work here. I feel like it could, but it almost feels like he's been a. He's been like that for too long now. And maybe that. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe if if Dan eventually did turn heel in the IWTV universe, that like it would come across as a shock and be a big deal. But it almost feels like there's just no interest in that at all. And the longer it goes on. I do. I do agree with you that the more jarring it'll become to ever see Dan as a heel again. Yeah, I just don't think it can happen. Like, I just, I think we're at a point now where even in the Pacific Northwest, like, I don't think that anybody wants to, to boo this guy anymore. Like, everyone appreciates how hard he works. Everybody appreciates the wrestling genius, how smart he is. Like, the only way that he could turn heel is if he went out there and just, like, refused to wrestle. Like, and he just wouldn't do any moves. You know what I mean? If all he did was just, like, punch kick and just refuse to do any actual wrestling, that's, like, the only way um, that I think that people would get upset with him, which I'm not... I really don't want to give him any ideas, so hopefully he doesn't hear this. Because uh, <laughs> I don't want to... I don't want that to happen, because I appreciate, you know, him wrestling. But, but uh, this main event absolutely rocked. Uh, Dan selling the knee was phenomenal um i over this weekend and in general i love the way that dan has been working around the big unit punch like he makes it such a big deal he teases it and then a lot of times now when he hits it he does that exacerbated pin where he doesn't even hook anything he just lays on the guy um back down on them like such a neat way to sell it and after the big build up and everything like god damn it's like such a just a genius wrestler, like I said, could take anything and really make something of it. But you know what this match has? One of the very rare, you really hate to see it, Daniel Makabe actually really fucking up a hold. Uh, when he goes for the octopus at the completely wrong angle and it just is like completely messed up and then he has to readjust and, and then get it at the right angle. Like that was, you don't see that a lot, so it's really jarring to see. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, that was out of nowhere. Um, I always love when Dan goes to the King Kong knee drop as a, you know, a shout out to his, uh, his, his family member in Toge Makabe, um, especially his father. Yeah. His father, especially when he misses it here. Um, and it works into selling the knee. Um, and I love the attack from Mac after that with the, you know, going after the knee. I like Max. Max hooking that lo- low hooking kick that he does is so it looks so cool. Like does doing it into the corner. He used to do it into the corner. Now he does it like anywhere. He does it in the middle of the ring here. I thought that looked great. I appreciate the finish building off of a move and a hold that Mac has been has built up. Yeah, I, I thought that this was really good and coming off of Mac's defense against um, Speedball, which I really enjoyed, and then this. Like I said, I just I'm digging this title reign, even if I don't, even if I agree with you that Mac is not like 
you know, one of the greatest wrestlers in the world right now and able to deliver, like, five, three to four-star matches every time or whatever. Like, doing something unique, a different kind of champion, and if you're watching and you pay attention, it's it pays off for you, but it doesn't... Unfortunately, it doesn't smack you in the face as this, like, over-the-top great title reign. So I can definitely see why, if you're not, like, really, really invested in it, you're not going to get much out of it. But uh, what are your thoughts on this match? I thought the match was really good. I think Dan's performance in here is phenomenal with the leg selling that she talked about. Uh, my prevailing thought, not to rag, keep ragging on AC, but how I felt like a really great Dan performance was being wasted on a guy that's just not that good, honestly. Um, and not that AC was bad in this match. AC was good in this match. Um, especially down the stretch after Dan misses the King Kong knee drop and the way AC circles him and has the drop the drop kick to the knee and the way that the finish goes. I thought that was really great execution. And there's other little there's other like little neat stuff that I thought AC did well in this match, but the pacing almost kind of feels feels a little off sometimes. And some of the th- some of the stuff they try to do looked a little clunky. And again, we've seen Dan do that numerous times. So we know the issue isn't exactly Dan is AC doing things that he's not necessarily the best at. And it just made me wish, like, oh, yeah, like, I wish this was Dan getting this shot against a better against a better wrestler. But it was still a it was still a it was still a good match. I don't want to say I don't want to act like I hated it or anything. Okay, well, okay. let me let me uh, let me do a little devil's advocate. Let me do some some counter here. So you say like, oh, you know, we've seen Makabe pull this stuff out, all this and that. This was a pretty long, tough weekend on Makabe. I talked about he was out here. To show off and to I actually meant to I actually meant to ask because I forgot that he did whatever did he just like what <laughs> do I even ask him did he just stay in the south like the whole week yeah I mean well it was just Friday through Monday okay yeah um but this was a long weekend for him and here's the thing that I think that people overlook or whatever is that your body as an athlete like can kind of go, go through the motions and get through it when you when you kind of continue rolling on, but when you have rest, that can kind of be like, kind of honestly end up being your biggest fucking foe is having time off in between. And he worked Friday, Saturday and Monday. And like I said, he worked hard and he was there to show off and he was going all out. So you have Friday pretty much fresh flying into the South wrestling, Anthony Henry in a pretty kick-ass match as we talked about. Got Saturday, a match with, with Robert Martyr, where I will say probably went a little bit more than... Went a little overkill with Robert Martyr. Maybe went a little bit out of his way to work really hard with him. Great match. I really enjoyed it. Check it out. And then you've got a whole day off for your body to... For all that shit to start to catch up to you. And for your muscles to get sore. And for you know all that stuff to run out, and then you come back on Monday, and you're trying to have an athletic match with a guy like Mac, who we've talked about is a kind of a fireworks wrestler, does a lot of high spots, moves all around. Did Dan look bad? No. Did he look like he was dogging it or hurt or anything? No. But that's not an ideal situation. That's not. So to say like, oh, we've seen Dan pull all this stuff off and never look clunky before. I mean. I don't know that he was at 100% going into that match on a Monday night after wrestling two big matches and then having a day off in between. Like, I just feel like, unfortunately, 
I don't say I don't know that you can just say, oh, that's just Mac not being as good as other people that have wrestled Dan. I just think I hate to say it, but maybe Dan wasn't at his best wrestling on a Monday after two big matches and a day off. Because like I said, man, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I played sports, if I went at it hard, went at it hard, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then as soon as I stop moving, as soon as I take some time off, that's when I start to get sore. That's when I don't want to move. You know what I mean? And and I could definitely see that being the case. You're making a fair point. You're making a, you're making a very fair point. Like, I don't have anything to, I don't have anything to counter that with. That's a very, that's a very fair point. <laughs> All right. Like I said, devil's advocate. I don't know. As far as I know, Dan is in, you know, peak physical condition and can go whenever he wants. He looks like he can. Honestly, you watch this guy out there and, like, he looks phenomenal. He wrestles every match like he's at 100% now. His cardio is as good as it's ever been and i know that he was you know a little bit weird about it when we talked to him last about the the layoff after uh covid and everything but i mean he looks at 100 percent as far as i'm concerned but still you know we're all getting older right um main event new japan dominion quentin did you like or care about this show really um i like the stuff that i watched Okay. Okay. You didn't watch it all. You you son of a bitch. I watched it all. I'm uh-huh. sorry. I shouldn't well, say that. Well. I shouldn't say. That. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have used that term. Um. That's that's rude. And I don't. You know, respect to your mother. I, I apologize. Uh, You're good, man. <laughs> you jerk. I watched the whole show, and maybe that's why I didn't like it. This is crazy because this feel. This felt like a nothing happening show. It felt like a bunch of matches that aren't important, but yet you've got a ton of title changes. This is the build. This is like the go home to the Forbidden Door big show coming up, the joint show with AEW, all this stuff. And even with all that coming out of it, it really did not feel important. I was not hype. I did not care. Um, Quentin, you want to tell me why I'm wrong and you want to just run through the show and, and we'll we'll talk about what matches you saw. Um, and well, we'll, give well no. I'll say I saw all the singles matches. Um, fair, fair. I saw, all the sing- I, saw, I saw all the singles matches. Uh, well, not Toro versus Doc. Didn't see that. But what? Um, what? How could you skip that? No, it was it was nothing. <laughs> it was fine, but it was nothing. I saw I saw all the, I saw all the singles matches, and I saw some of the tag title match. Um, it does feel like nothing. I think that's just how New Japan feels right now. Sadly, and still feels. It just kind of feels like nothing. But but I feel but I feel like. Um, Oh no, the matches were good. At least I, I enjoy I enjoy watching them. Maybe because I'm not. Again, I'm almost treating New Japan like WWE at this point. Sure. If I see a good WWE match, it's like okay, cool. That was that was nice, but I'm not banking on it the same way that I might that I might have been in the past. Like Shingo versus Taichi was a was a really fun little thing. I thought for ten, the ten the ten minutes and the urgency and the unlimited falls idea, I thought was I thought was really fun. And one of the only King of Pro Wrestling title matches that I actually liked because usually that stuff is like a complete skip for me. I thought that I thought that was fun. Tamatanga versus Carl Anderson. I'm not invested in this OG Bullet Club strife at all, but I thought this was solid. Uh, like it's weird to me that Tamatanga even was the never champion in the first place, but Carl Anderson wanted to work a little bit, and it was good. And it was solid. It was a pretty fun match even though it went 16 minutes and like I wouldn't on paper want a Carl Anderson Tamatanga match in 2022 to go 16 minutes but it was still good. Andre versus Sonata I actually liked like 
that could have been way worse than it actually was. It, they did what they were supposed to do. Did the kind of spots that they were meant to, like the the flat, the flat, the flashiness, some of the com- some of the comedy execution, like the the stuff was well done. I couldn't even. I don't even have anything to say about it. And Jay White versus Okada, I thought was really good. I actually really liked it. I thought Okada sold really well with his ribs. I thought this is like a phenomenal Jay White performance and really made me miss crowds. Um, but Jay White was excellent. It felt good to actually see like heel Jay White again because in the States, as we've seen him, it feels like he hasn't really been that or been engaging with the crowd in the same way. And it felt nice to just see Jay White go out there and just antagonize the crowd and do it so seamlessly while working over Okada in such a natural way. I thought the I thought the match itself was really good. So I'm not invested in any of this stuff. I don't care. I don't give a fuck. It's not making me more excited to, to see Forbidden Door. But as a collection of matches, I have no complaints. I thought the matches were good. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. There was... Yeah, the matches were... The top four matches were all very good. Actually, the top five matches, top five singles matches were all really good. Um, you've got the... I heard someone talking about, like, there's a race for the the top guy gene of the company. Kind of, there's there's a competition, if you will, a three-way competition for the top guy gene in the company um, with Jay White, Will Ospreay, and Carl Anderson all winning titles on the show. So top guy gene, who knows? It could be one of the three. Um, no, I think... Whoever said that they were referencing somebody else, and I can't even remember who it would be. Who do you think would be the other, like the third top possible gaijin in the company? I can't even remember who they said. Uh, wow, but, who would it be? Yeah, but the, it wasn't just it would just Zach? be Zach. No, I don't think it was Zach. No, like someone who's like trying to be like the top guy. Um, Jay White, Osprey, and somebody else. I can't even remember. Doesn't matter. It really does not matter. Um, but yeah, but it is funny that you got three. Gaijin's winning three titles in a row. Um, you got Shingo, who's an outsider technically. He's not a New Japan uh, born, winning a title, you know, right before that too. And then Tanahashi, the ultimate New Japan guy, uh, winning a shot at the interim AEW title before that. So, you know, take take from that what you will on where they're going. But he said in a vacuum, good wrestling matches here. The tag team title match I thought was actually fine for having Bad Luck Folly and Chase Owens in it. Um, Bad Luck Folly and Chase Owens are fucking depressing. Like, to see them is really fucking sad. To see them as the tag team champions. Like, I know that New Japan has not, for a very long time, has not treated the tag team titles like they're important, but Jesus Christ. Like, that is, like, bleak uh, to have them. On, on, on Dominion, too, it's like, yeah. God damn, man. Yeah, that's a fucking... Ugh. And then I talked about it online a little bit uh, with, with Larry. Uh, shout out to... to to Larry, who's probably doing better than us, Liam, over on uh, whatever they call their TNA podcast at this point. I I can't even remember. I can't. I, I You've got to be kidding me. Yes, that's it. You have to be kidding me. Um, uh, you know, talking a little bit about it and just Carl Anderson. I'm sorry, I can't get up for a Carl Anderson match, especially not a Carl Anderson versus Tomatonga match right now, because the yeah, guy's been dogging it for so fucking long. I know that he was good. But how long has it been since we've seen a good, a consistently good singles wrestling Carl Anderson? He basically admitted in the in the post show presser about like how he was how about how he's been dogging it yeah. and like 
like I, like he's like I show up like when it's a big hot crowd. If it's like uh, two hundred people, three hundred people, I'm not really gonna show up. Like he, yeah. he pretty much said he like said that in in the in the pre- in the press conference, which was really funny. Yeah, um, Shingo Shingo's like the only baby face to win a title, uh, which is kind of kind of an interesting thing. And and but it's like the KO. PW like weird fakey title thing um but even that match was good like I, I enjoyed that like so yeah like there's a lot to enjoy here but you talk about wrestling in a vacuum right wrestling matches in a vacuum like that is what this is this is like you know <laughs> rest, purely wrestling in a vacuum and does that work and unfortunately not really like I can't get hype for it um I can enjoy it the Jay White and, and Okada match was very good and probably one of the better, like, New Japan main event matches I've seen in quite a bit. Um, probably since yeah. Shingo lost it's the probably, title. It, yeah, it's probably, it's probably the best New Japan match since the Dome stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably that's probably fair. Um, if you don't count, like, the United Empire tag team title run that I really, really loved, but when it's just talk about, like, singles main event stuff. Um, and, the, and that's great, too, because they won the tag team titles back. Um, so... Hopefully that leads to my dream matchup happening at Forbidden Door, but we'll see. Um, they came out, the United Empire came out in the first match and in the tag team title match with Jesse Vargas. Are you familiar with this guy? No. He's a championship boxer. Um, let me see if he's got any titles right now. He, maybe not. I don't know. I, why can't they make this stuff easier to look up, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> either way... Nah, his last couple of fights were losses anyway, so he's probably not a champion right now. Um, some boxer from America, but, uh, you know, I guess he's somewhat well-known. And uh, he um, ran for Senate as a Republican in Nevada on the last election. Huh, okay. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> um, New Japan getting... He, 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 he fits right in with Hanare. Yeah, exactly. So it's perfect perfect placement for him there. Um, but he showed up as part of United Empire. So if you want to know, again, how your favorite wrestlers, be it Jeff Cobb, even though I love the guy, um, and Will Ospreay, and, you know, TJP, <laughs> Aaron Hanare, if you want to know where your, where your favorite wrestler's politics lie, just keep in mind that that's like... That's the basically the baseline is the kind of guy who's going to run uh, as a Republican, and then they it goes even further right from there for the most part. Um, but yeah, that's about it. I mean, anything coming out of this and going into Forbidden Door, you want to mention? I, I I almost feel like we probably shouldn't because there's dynamite going on right now, and I haven't been paying attention to anything. Well, that's it's, o- it's, o- well, it's over now, but like, yeah, um, I did see Jay White did show up and attack Hangman. Okay. Um, so that's where we're going, and I'm 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 into Jay White versus Hangman. Sure, I'm into that. Like people were talking about Hangman versus Okada, and I'm like, I get it, but I think Jay White versus Hangman is actually a way better matchup. Oh yeah, no, the Hangman versus Okada thing was just the champion thing. Like that was the only uh, way that it made sense, you know. Like if they were both the champions, right? But yeah, like. Uh, the as just a match hangman and jay white makes more sense they have history with each other um in the bullet club and in new japan so yeah it makes definitely a uh, makes for a better match um tanahashi versus moxley like 
Eh. I don't know. You know, it could be good. they've been it could building. Be, it could be good. They've been building to it for so long. It's one of those weird things where it's like Moxley really wants it, so I'm like, and I think it's already. Ha- I think it's already happened before, but like, has it? I Maybe. feel like it has. Yeah, probably. You're probably right. But uh, but they've been no teasing- actually. No, actually, it did not. I feel like it was supposed to happen and then didn't yeah. for whatever reason. They've teased it a bunch, and Moxley really wants to to do the match, and you know, it's that it's that weird thing where it's like I'm friend. I like Moxley; he's my buddy, so I want him to have what he wants, even if I don't care that much. You know, I I don't I mean, really. It's like, all right, it's like all right, man, fine, go ahead. Buddy. Sure, I, you know, you're my you're my friend. I get it. It's fine. It's like when your friend starts, you know, dating someone that you're not a big fan of. It's like okay, well, if you're happy. Like, right, if you want to go get us, if you want to go get a skull tattoo, like, all right, man, that's fine. Go yeah. ahead. Like, that's cool. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the situation there. But yeah, like, again, that tag team match. If they do the FTR and uh, United Empire match that I've I've said I wanted, that'll be that'll be pretty good. Um, whatever whatever Osprey's in will probably be really good. Like, even if no yeah. one's excited for it, like whatever Osprey Osprey's in will probably like tear the house down. Yeah, of course. The crowd will go crazy for it. I probably won't love it, but the crowd will go nuts for it. Um, although, yeah, like you said, that the match here was pretty good with Sonata. It was fine. Like I, you know, I said it as a joke, but I did like the match where they broke his, where he broke his face a lot. So just it was fun. Uh, but yeah, so you know, we'll uh, we'll see. Forbidden Door looks interesting. Um, Otherwise, like I said, uh, Quentin, you didn't watch um, Speedball versus Takeshita, so I'm gonna make you pay no, for I that didn't, one. No, um, didn't I? Uh, didn't yeah, I did not. I meant to. I was like, oh, I forgot that it's actually on the on this card. I haven't seen that. Or uh, was it Lee Moriarty versus Takeshita, or was it uh, Lee Moriarty versus Speedball? Lee Moriarty versus Takeshita is next or this Saturday, and I know that only because I'm going to it live. Okay, and then Lee Mar- it'll be Moriarty versus Speedball then that I haven't seen. Uh, I don't know if that has happened. That I mean, I think, probably. I think it has. Probably. I probably missed it. I probably watched it and I just don't remember because that's how my brain works now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, uh, either way, like I said, Quentin, I'm going to make you pay uh, for missing that. You're <laughs> going to find out what your punishment is uh, very shortly. Um... <laughs> But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that match happened. I think well, we're making up. that up. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's happened. I mean, it has happened in the past, but not recently. I feel like it happened in like. I'm the last looking few at years. it, and the last time it happened was in April. From Enjoy oh, okay. Wrestling. I just, I just haven't seen that then. All right. Okay. Unless yeah yeah yeah. Either way. Either way. Um, Enjoy Wrestling is good. I would recommend people check that out. We haven't ever reviewed any of their stuff, but they book decent stuff. Um, and either way, that's it. Quentin, you want to say uh, say good night? Uh, yeah, I'm realizing how many speedball matches I have to watch. God damn, he's been getting it in mm-hmm. last, the last few months. Sure uh, but that's it for us tonight. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at QT underscore Moody. You can follow Tim at Bone Dog's Wife, or you can follow the podcast network at WDKWPN. Don- donate, to the co- donate to the coffee if you're feeling as generous to do so. And we'll be back next week to talk about whatever we decide to talk about. I don't know. Thank you all for listening, and hope you get next time. Cutting to an eye.
Ooh.